0: Well, our Lord said, if you hunger and you thirst after righteousness today, you will be filled. That's a glorious promise, isn't it, for you? As you, as you come to church this morning, he just basically says, if you, you come spiritually hungry, then I'll meet you. We, we recognize that God's uh, plan for us is to draw close to him. Our story that Brenda read this morning is a story about Philip and Nathaniel, And preceding that were the verses about how Andrew introduced Peter to Jesus Christ. It's it's nothing more or nothing less than a story of people who met Christ desiring to share the joy of knowing Christ with someone else undoubtedly one of the great challenges in american christianity is that we've we've quit being a people who who are excited enough to share with another the good news of christ and so so we're not telling other people i don't know whether that's because of a social barrier that in in secular life we're afraid that today that's considered an encroachment or not. But one of the greatest things that is forfeited when we don't take time to share our faith with someone else's, somebody goes without knowing the comforting grace of the Lord that you know by being part of a rich, warm fellowship of of Jesus Christ. And, And that makes a world of difference Because I didn't grow up in a Christian home, I was able to see the great difference knowing Christ made for someone like my father. When he finally came to know the Lord, what a a difference there was in his life. It was a a light and darkness difference. Years of darkness where my dad didn't know Christ, but when he came to the light, it was just like a light went on in all of our our homes and it was a comforting thing in our home and it wasn't just comforting it was helpful our home likely would have been a home that would have broken but when god came he gave us the help and it's a it's a beautiful beautiful thing to point people towards the help of god and i pray today that this humble sermon can point you towards the help of god sometimes uh, We as pastors feel just like that, the songwriter. He said uh, he was thinking about life and the infirmity of the flesh and how even sometimes when we try to tell it, we just, we have no words. We have no way. And he said, someday God's going to transform it all when this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. I wonder if that guy wasn't a, a preacher somehow. I never looked it up to see who it was that wrote that. But I know what it's like to stand up here some Sundays and feel like it's just a poor old, lisping, stammering tongue. How's anybody going to get anything good out of just a, a plain, ordinary guy, you know? But here's what I know. God loves you with an everlasting love, right? Put our first slide up, if you will. The first reality I want to talk about this morning is that... God infinitely loves us, and He's desirous of having a relationship with us. Do you know what people trip over with that plain, ordinary statement? Is everybody knows God is just, and everybody knows God is a judge. Do you know where that theology came into play? It was with Martin Luther, Martin Luther and the, the Reformed part of the Christian faith took the verses from Scripture that highlighted God as a judge. And that was the primary paradigm they've used for 500 years. God is a judge. Jesus is a defense lawyer, and it's okay. He's going to get each and every one of us off the hook. He's good enough to save our hide, From the wrong that we know we've done. Why? Because the Bible says all have sinned fallen short of the glory of God. And so the primary paradigm of the Christian faith for 500 years has been that Jesus is like a defense lawyer who gets us off the hook for our sins. There's probably not a person in the room today that hasn't felt the fact that uh, we've sinned and fallen short of God's glory and we're going to stand before a righteous judge but you know in the same 500 years where that paradigm was coming to the front and center of the way the Christian faith has been taught in the last 500 years we've often ignored even a greater paradigm in scripture and that is that God is a a loving father. And that he loves us like a parent loves his or her children. And that's an everlasting love he has for us. It's hard for us sometimes (laughs) knowing that there are things that, that we've done wrong. We feel like when God's name is invoked, all of a sudden we've got called to the principal's office. Well, it is true, God is a principle. There's no other headmaster like the Lord our God. But do you know something? He's our Father. Dr. Henry Clay Morrison was a circuit-riding preacher that was born on the eve of the Civil War. Dr. Morrison in 1905 was listed as one of the 20 greatest pastors in America and he had a grandfather that was a strong Southern Baptist. And uh, Dr. Morrison said, whoo, he was a disciplinarian. I mean, it was easier. Have you ever heard this expression? This is an old timers expression. Now we're digging, Uh, we're digging for this one, that it would have been easier to break the law of the Medes and the Persians than to disobey my grandfather. How many have ever heard that, that it's easier to break the law of the Medes and the Persians? Anybody here? That's an old-timer, everyone. I didn't expect you to do it. You say, then how do you know it, Ron? I'm older than you are. I read. The law of the Medes or the Persian was what was set in granite. Man, you broke that law. There was a heavy punishment. And Morrison said he projected that on his life with God, and it was easy for him to project it with his life on with God because he lost his parents by the time he was four years old, he, and, and he had to live with his grandfather, and so it was more like a boarding house, and you better toe the line. Well, I don't know what your background is, but here's what I know. Sometimes when the authorities in our life have been very stern, It's hard to see God as a father because our father image may be a tough image. But I want you to know this. God so loved his world that he gave his only son, and I'm going to translate it this way this morning. God so loved the world that he gave his family to come and get us so that we could become part of his family also. It's a treasure this morning that the most important authority, the one who has the say-so, the one who paints ordinary green leaves as beautiful colors as the eyes can scarcely take in on a crisp fall day, the one who gives us the sunshine and the flowers, the one who puts birds singing, the one who hung the sun and the moon and the stars, in space in such a way that he keeps them from catastrophically destroying one another. That God, the most important entity in all of the universe, loves you. And he doesn't just love you in a way that, uh, you know, like we use casually, love you." No, no, he loves you in a way where what makes him the happiest That he can possibly be is when he's sharing all of the goodness that he has with you. I want you to think about that today. God wants to share his goodness with you. Andrew and Philip in the Bible here began to get to know Jesus ahead of some of the others and they were excited. And so they were sharing with their close loved ones. You've got to meet this Jesus character. You see, today we're talking about getting real as an acrostic. And the E stands for evangelism. And it's based on Luke chapter 19, 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Yes, the Bible would say that all have sinned and fallen short. The wise man in Scripture, Solomon, said in his book of Ecclesiastes, his book of wisdom, chapter 7, verse 20, that there's not a a just person that's altogether righteous in the world who does only good and goes without sinning. So if the ground is level at the cross, as they say, it's level because all have fallen. But God loved us so much, He came for us. He came to replace our fallenness with his risenness, his triumph. He came to give us victory where people could experience defeat. One of the greatest propositions there is in all of the world this morning is that God would like to share victory with you so that you could get victory over those things that come to bear and and they press upon your life, causing you such difficulty. But today, God wants to help. God wants to be there. He wants to hear your waking prayer and cry. He wants to hear what's on your mind and heart when you lay your head on the pillow at night and go to sleep. And Andrew and Philip had the privilege of introducing Simon Peter and Nathanael to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was a joy. Jesus Christ wants to have not just a relationship with you, but as a matter of fact, there's this word that we talk about, conversion. You know, conversion used to be used about a van when hippies wanted to go to the seashore with a surfboard, you know. You have that idea of a conversion van. Well, what about a conversion life? I want you to, Ray, put up the second slide here. Conversion is when a person realizes that God wants us and decides to build that, when that person when we realize God wants us and we decide to build our life around that reality <laughs> this is this is just as crazy as can be but i used to work at asbury college when i was trying to pay my way through seminary so they made me a dorm daddy first of all i wasn't old enough to be a daddy and living with a bunch of smelly guys isn't my way of having to earn a paycheck, but I did it nonetheless. Those guys, you say, Ron, that's not a kind word. That's kind if you knew the guys I lived with. Man, they did everything they could to take me down. I want you to know. I mean, put honey and feathers in my bed, and I'd go in. They called that fellowship at Asbury, you know. That, uh, But <laughs> when I decided that there was this this pretty southern girl she was a southern belle not a dixie dingeling there's a difference <laughs> she was a true southern belle and i decided i wanted i wanted to know that southern belle more i could see the college post office i could see the students coming out of class walking towards the college post office and when i decided i liked Doreena, I'd go out the side door of the dormitory and run all the way around the back of campus and go in the back door to the college post office because everybody went to the college post office after class to check their mail for the day. So I just happened, Miss Jessica, to be in the right place to see Dorena. Of course, I didn't know whether she liked me or not, but I was hoping she would, but I didn't want to miss giving her the chance to say yes because I knew I was going to get to know her. By then, I already had a call into the ministry, and I thought, you know what I'd like to know about Dorina? I'd like to know about her faith. And so I asked her to come with my brother Doug and I, who were going out, and we were preaching at different churches, all within driving distance at Asbury. Every weekend, we left campus to go be the guest speaker at a church, and we both played the guitar and sang, and so we invited uh, some females to go with us, Scotts. Then single mama would go and play the piano for us, Scott Rambo's single mama would go and play the piano for us, Miss Lori Z. And we'd have her play so we could sing and we'd play the guitar and we'd preach. And so I said to Doug, I might as well get this done quickly before I ask Doreena out on a date. Of course, I still didn't know whether she'd say yes or no. I just knew that I, before she ever could make that decision, I needed to know. It, how was how this religious thing going to play out for her? So we asked her to share her testimony and lead the congregation in prayer. And I liked, I liked how she shared and gave herself to the people. And Darina prayed with some of the young women in the church to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I thought, well, I still don't know whether she'll say yes or no but i think she could handle that part of being in churches on sunday morning it was her natural habitat because when darina was 11 years old she went forward to an altar at a camp meeting just like billy graham they'd say if there's anybody here that wants to know jesus walk forward and let's say a prayer and you give your life to jesus she did that at 11 and at 11 my mom and dad they weren't praying for me to about Penn State, they were praying about me in the state Penn, you know, it's uh, still at 11, you know. Uh, if you got voted in class, most likely to succeed, mine was most likely to be in, tension, in detention with the principal probably. Still at 11, it was, that's a true story. It was such a shock to some of those folks in Millville when I got converted that the Lions Club and the American Legion gave me a scholarship for one third of my, my school that year. All because I got to know Jesus. And conversion was that place where God got through to people that he loved them. And they began to respond and orient their life around God. I want to ask you this question this morning. If God loves you that much, are you willing to let your life revolve around him? That's what conversion is. Conversion is when a person finally realizes, they get it, that God loves us with such an everlasting love. Listen to this verse of Scripture. Look at what love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And when people finally get that and they realize that God loves us with that kind of an everlasting love, that even though we fell short, God gave His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we could be His children and the barriers could be broken down. The Bible says in the book of Colossians that Jesus Christ has broken down that wall of partition that stood between us and God. Do you remember when Jesus went to the cross? The veil into the Holy of Holies was torn from the top to the bottom. That was God's loving way of saying, because of what my Son did on the cross in this moment, you and I can have a face-to-face relationship in all of eternity. So the psalm writer prayed in Psalm 80, Lord, let your face shine so that we can be saved. God's face is shining upon you. And conversion means a person that recognizes God loves us that much and wants a relationship with us, is willing to rearrange all of our life to let him in. It's just like some kid in college decided he likes that girl enough to get out behind the dormitory and run to be where they can meet. Only this time I'm not running to meet Dorina. This time my steps are running to God in a day-to-day devotional walk saying, Lord, if you've been so good to save me, how can I live for you? How can I serve you? Now the E in get real is for evangelism. It means that people get it that God loves us. We get it. He's proven all that he has to prove to us. And we want to be devoted followers of christ but there's one thing he asks of us since you've been converted this is point three ray if you could put that third slide up evangelism is when we decide we're going to lay a plan to strategically share through a personal relationship with another person that we're willing to begin uh, a relationship with to introduce them to Christ. Could be a person you've known from work. And you've seen in the workplace that uh, they, they need the love of God. And so you take time to befriend that person and show them kindness so that through you, that person might be willing to uh, receive an invitation to come to church. It could be like so many of you have gifts, but particularly there are women in this church that have the gift of writing a card of encouragement. I know I've received so many of them saying, Pastor Ron, we're praying for you. We love you. You You keep going. Our prayers are with you today. And... Those words of encouragement to somebody can be life-changing in a time of need. And all of a sudden, they come. It could be that on one Sunday, a person shows up alongside of you in church. And do you know what the statistics are? If they're a visitor in our church, and I, I go and visit them that week after they've come to church, they got a 15% chance of returning. But if you as a layperson go, it rises all the way up to 85%. Are you aware of that? Why? Because uh, I'm up here. <laughs> You're out there, and you can sit with the people and befriend the people. And plus, everybody thinks it's strange trying to have a friendship with the preacher. Not, not a lot of people know how to have a friendship with a, with a pastor, you know. I don't know why, but they think the pair of pants we wear must be, you know, from the goose that laid the golden egg or worse. You know, the devil put on or something. You know, I, I, I don't know. But people are comfortable with lay people. And when you take time to befriend somebody by inviting them to church or somebody that's come to church, you decide, you know what? That's going to be my gift, Lord. Since you are good enough to love me, I'm going to love them and follow up on them. You have an 85% chance. You have a 70% chance higher of winning them than your pastor. That's just what uh, the people who are the social scientists are telling us, how people react to things. Wouldn't you like to see the church begin to fill again? How many feel like uh, in your plan that falls on the pastor? That's the pastor's job. I want you to, to know today that it's a 70% success rate higher. And if anybody coached a team of any kind and had a 70% chance, higher rate of winning, they'd do it if they, they were a coach that knew what in the world was going on. And so we, the people of God, have an opportunity to invite somebody to Jesus. My, da- my daughter, Katie, was in law school and she had a professor in law school that had that renowned uh, reputation that you didn't want to take their class for love or money, but you had to, to get through the law curriculum. And so there you go. And somehow Katie's, uh, Katie smiled because she is a smiler. <laughs> uh, that, that professor began to ask Katie for favors to do, to do some student work for her and she did and one day she found her law professor in her office crying and she said Dr. so-and-so what's wrong today is there anything that I can talk with you about that would bring comfort to you and she told her a story about her daughter and how her daughter wasn't having a good experience and she needed some people to relate to and Katie said would you come with me to church? Because my church has a great young person's group. And do you know what? They're going to love your daughter, and I can guarantee you that. And uh, that next Sunday, uh, my two daughters would come and meet Darina and me at a church in Lexington, Kentucky. And she said, Dad, I know you like to sit on the end, the pew but you got to move down because I want you to give a place where my law professor if she comes would be comfortable sitting with our family and I'm gonna move and I'm gonna sit on the outside of you she gave me my marching orders in other words for the day and do you know something her law professor did come down and sit alongside of her and man it didn't take long before that got around the the law school. And do you know something? That uh, lawyer that teaches at the University of Kentucky, her child has gone on mission trips with their youth group. Her child has found love and people to relate to. And her life is different because every Sunday morning, she, she goes to church to meet at God who is willing to make her part of the family. That's what evangelism is. You have a purpose in life to love Jesus Christ and to enjoy your relationship with God. And then second, there is a person somewhere that needs the love of Christ through you. You are the ones who are strategically placed. And when you do, The Lord is pleased, lives are changed, and your church is better. These things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen?